All right. Should I start over? Did you hear all about my son Parker's choir? Okay. <laughs> I'll go back a little. So they spend the year uh, preparing for these different things, right? But the culmination of the school year is UIL competition, which takes place in late spring. At UIL, the choirs perform three prepared pieces, and they sight-read one piece. The goal is to get first divisions, or ones, from the judges, the highest score. If all three judges give you a one, you've earned a sweepstakes designation, and you get a trophy. So the goal is to get your choir to UL competition at the peak of their preparedness. This is not as easy as it might sound. It means rehearsing the pieces and working on the rough spots enough to perform them appropriately, but not so often that the students get bored with them and lose focus. You want to have prepared the students well, but to do so on a timetable where there are still some new things being introduced even a few weeks before competition. And then leading up to the big day, you want to rehearse in a way that fine-tunes but doesn't become mechanical. And keep in mind, all of this is in the context of teenagers. <laughs> the goal, the goal, the goal is to peak at the moment of competition before those judges. I thought of this as I reflected on Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem that we commemorate this day. For the past year, Jesus has been traveling throughout the area, teaching and healing. He's been preparing his disciples for God's kingdom, which is already inaugurated, has already begun in himself. The disciples and many others are drawn into the charisma and the promise of that kingdom reflected in Jesus. So they've listened to his stories and to his parables. They've seen God's power and authority in the healing of those who are blind and lame, deaf and bleeding, disfigured and even dead. At the right time, Jesus began telling his disciples about the suffering and death that he would have to undergo in Jerusalem. The disciples cannot or will not understand this part of Jesus' teaching. They want to continue in that abundant life that they found in his presence. All of Jesus' teaching and healing and preparation of his disciples culminates in today's story. Jesus has intentionally brought his ministry to this point at this time so that it will peak, as it were, at just the right moment. The pageantry of his entry into Jerusalem is meant to identify him as Israel's Messiah. After weeks and months of skirting the label, Jesus now embraces it along with all the prophetic markers that come with it. The Messiah would come down from the Mount of Olives and enter the city on a colt or a donkey. So Matthew gives Jesus both of them. The crowds that have grown around Jesus as he's traveled throughout the land, performing his miracles and providing words of life, they've now followed him to Jerusalem. It is the festival of the Passover. Many of these folks would have been coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover anyway. But this year is different. 
this year, they will get to do so with this upstart prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. Jerusalem, a city whose usual population is about 40,000, would swell to roughly 200,000 during the Passover. The people, full of hope in this man and primed for a celebration of God's provision, cannot contain themselves. They throw down their cloaks and they cut branches from the palm trees and they shout out their joy as Jesus enters the city. It is the culmination of Jesus' ministry. He is peaking at just the right moment. But there is no sweepstakes trophy awaiting Jesus in Jerusalem. The Messiah for whom the people have been waiting and hoping will not be fulfilled in him. And make no mistake, Jesus is the Messiah. He's just not the military or the political Messiah that the people were expecting. And so when Jesus enters a city riding a donkey, affirming that he is a Messiah of love and humility and gentleness, the crowd will quickly turn. There is no stronger rejection than by those whose hopes and expectations have been dashed have made them look foolish, have branded them as rubes. So we will take a moment and savor the peak of Jesus' ministry when he claims the mantle of Messiah, drawing the hopeful attention of all of those who have come to Jerusalem for the Passover. We will linger in this fleeting instant because when we wake up tomorrow, everything will be different. In this final week of Jesus' life, he will head to the temple and overturn the merchants' tables. He will castigate the Pharisees and religious leaders, calling them out on their hypocrisy. He will so disappoint one of his closest disciples with his peace-embracing messiahship that in frustration, Judas will betray Jesus to the authorities. The religious leaders will arrest Jesus under cover of night, rush him through the sham of a conviction, beat him, mock him, and then co-opting the machinery of the Roman occupiers will hang him on a cross to die as a humiliated criminal. So today... We wave our branches and we process through our streets and we sing our triumphant hymns. We take this brief respite to revel in Jesus' ministry at its peak. Then we resolve to journey with him this week, each and every day. We commit to walking with Jesus through this final meal with his disciples, through his arrest, trial, and beating, through today's same adoring crowds turning on him to demand his crucifixion, even through his death on the cross. We resolve to walk with Jesus through this disheartening and convicting 
day by day so that we might wait by the tomb in anticipation and hope of his resurrection on Easter morning. Amen.